For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey everyone, it's Yas here and I'm calling today with a little favour to ask. Over the recent weeks and months, I've had loads of you get in touch with some great questions and today I'm going to be trying something new with the show. I'm trialling a Q&A segment where I'll be joined by a co-host and elite coach educator, Gerard Jones. Now these are discussions which are going to be taking place every Sunday evening at 7.30 GMT live on Twitter space if you wanted to get involved directly. Otherwise, I'll be releasing them here every Wednesday on the Coaches Network podcast. So for today's format, slightly different, and for around about 30 minutes, each discussion will be dedicated to a question that has been sent in where myself and Joe will be going into some real depth and sharing our views and opinions on the topic in order to leave you with some key takeaways to consider in your own environments. So the favour I'm asking for today, guys, is if you can let me know your thoughts on the new format, and you can do this by getting in touch on Twitter at The Coaches Net. Once again, that is at The Coaches Net. And of course, if you have a question, feel free to send that in too. Hope you enjoy the new format. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach, coach developer and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Let's do it, Joe. If you want to just start with a brief intro and we'll go from there. Yeah, obviously, really looking forward to uh, chat tonight. Gerard Jones, um, director of coaching at Sporting Kansas City, which is an MLS club, and you know, got years' experience working in the professional game within the EPP in England, at different age groups, uh, similar to Yaz, as well as uh, coach education uh, for different governing bodies. So I'm actually gonna I'm looking at this from an interesting perspective, really. Not only as a coach, similar to Yaz and similar to you guys listening going through that journey of doing my level one, doing my level two as it was back then, UEFA B, UEFA A, right up to Advanced Youth Award, the old modules. I've been fortunate to do some coach education courses with other governing bodies, the SFA, Scottish FA, uh, the Welsh FA, United Soccer, um, yeah, United States Soccer Federation, uh, CAF, which is the Confederation of African Football, and, and teaching a lot of these courses. So I've tutored and delivered content and designed content for the pro licence, uh, CAF Pro License delivered a guest module on the AFC Pro License course for Paul Smalley, the Bangladesh Football Federation, um, right down to, you know, A License, B License courses um, to, you know, the new UEFA C like Yaz, you're doing with the FA and, um, you know, and, and some other stuff. So it'd be really, really interesting chat because I think similar to me and you, we've, with our experiences, you know, we, we're probably looking at it from many different lenses. One is the sort of student coach if you like and one is the guy who's at the front delivering and uh, similar to people in the room listening and I'm also a, a director of a, an online coach education platform so yeah looking forward to d- deep diving in tonight with you mate definitely definitely it should be a good one um, guys yeah just similar to John really you know coach developer got various range of experiences currently um, been doing coach education for the past five or six years purely in the UK and England in particular um, but I've run several several workshops that have you know stretched further wider. Um, but Joe, you know, let's get straight into it, man. Straight into it. Um, 
coach education is it serving its purpose? And you know, well, actually, let's 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 take it back a further step. What should coach education be doing without obviously stating what it says on the tin, if you like? Well, that's the best question, isn't it? And I think it's, it, what it should be doing is it should be more individualised and personalised. I think as a coach, you should be able to plot, even though it's very difficult, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And it's very difficult to sometimes develop that self-awareness um, of like where are we at individually? What are our strengths? What are our areas for development? Um, and being really self-aware and knowing, hey, these are things that are the big rocks that I need to get better at. But ultimately, I think the ability to have personalised education that's individualised to you, a bit like we talk about with the players, coach education shouldn't necessarily be um, global overloading snapshots of information or death by PowerPoint where we're covering a range of topics but actually, we're not really covering anything. You know, we're, we're not even scratching the surface. We're just, it's a, it's a slide or a module for a short period of time, then we're moving on to the, the next topic. Um, instead, it should be, you know, how can we fit the course around the needs of the, the coach and make it fit the needs and, and look and feel of what the coach experiences in their everyday situation. That's what coach education should be. It should be seeing uh, the coach in their world. And, and really making sure that they're getting out what they need versus um, not knowing where everyone else is in the room. And I think years gone by, um, and the FA, are, you know, are starting to do even better work on that. And there's been a lot of research around it, but it's still, obviously, as we'll unpack tonight, a big problem. I think years ago, it's very much, and perhaps even in some cases today, still very much like, here's the content of the course, have it and we're chucking this content at people versus thinking, well, you know, what does Yaz need? What does Gerard need? What does Tony need? And that's what coach education should look like. Uh, really, really good. Really good start there, Gerard. I think one of the key things that, you know, kind of really just jumped out at me as you, as you said, As we, as we, you know, as we preach that we need to be doing for the players, and I think one of the key things is certainly, you know, through my experience, and I know definitely through yours as well, we've been, you know, I consider myself quite fortunate in some ways because I've experienced it from very many different perspectives as a, as a coach learner specifically. In that, when I was coming through early on in my journey, it was very much right. This is what we want to see. This is how you're going to do it, and this is what you need to do to get through this course, if you like. Whereas, as time's gone on, I've gone on, to, you know newer qualifications further down my journey has been much more around you know about my environment how I want to coach me being able to rationalize and justify why I coach the way I coach and I think there's a there's a there's a good there's a blend there so I mean I consider myself quite fortunate I think for a for a large while it was almost kind of a cookie cutter approach it's then you know shifted to to another to another pro, you know another end of the spectrum in that Coaches can be so varied in their styles and their approaches, and they still be considered competent, if you like. But then, you know, obviously, it creates a lot of inconsistencies in what competent actually looks like as well. But at the same time, it's recognizing that it does need to be individualized, and there's not, you know, there's not just one way to do this thing that we call coaching. But there is probably some key fundamentals that we need to maintain and keep at the forefront in terms of what an effective coaching process might actually look like. So, I guess, you know, on that. What, what what would you say are the key variables that we need to be we need to maintain that are at the forefront of coach development, coach education, and really a tool of assessment for whether coaches are deemed competent at whichever level they're working at? If that makes sense. Well, there's a lot there, isn't there? And I think the challenge is is that like with some of the competency measures, you know, in some cases with a lot of different, co- you know, we're we're talking obviously as coach education as a broad sense, and there's a lot of people here listening, which is great, that have done different licenses with different governing bodies. So obviously that will look very different, whether it's with the FA, whether it's with the FAW, the SFA, USSF, so on and so forth, you know, UEFA, what have you. I think there are some people that, you know, can demonstrate competency on a particular day, but they're not all necessarily competent because, and like we'll all do, like the players, you know, you'll have days where you regress, days where you progress, days where you shine. Um, I understand why 
you know, in particular with a lot of the stuff that's going on in the UK, there's that competency framework because, you know, when me and you were doing our licenses, it was pass or fail. You know, I found out in the car park on my UA for B and my um and my uh UA for A. And even with Tony, Tony passed me on my level two. You know, you found out there and then, didn't you, whether you've passed or failed. And for some people or most that was probably a very daunting and, and difficult environment to perform under because like I remember my A license session, you know, I was probably fortunate that the the coaches that were working with me knew what I was doing every week because it wasn't one of my best sessions. And I had everyone watching me. I had the director of football, I had academy coaches on the sideline. Everyone's got their opinions. They're all going, oh, he shouldn't have done this and he should be here. And, you know, and it, it puts you under this unnecessary pressure, especially if you're not working with your own players. There's good and bad to that. Um, you know, where are you on that journey? And and I think what we've got to remember is, you're like, will they ever? Will they get there? When will they get there? And I think that's where coaching's got to be. If if we can, our duty is not necessarily. Maybe I'm making a statement here, but not necessarily to say this coach is now here or this coach is now here in terms of competency. You know, this coach is. I'm doing it even in my club. I'm trying to shut up, um, give them resources, share new information, mentor them during match day, mentor them during the game, like the like the coach mentoring role, as you. Done, but the need, which is always a fine balance, so that we're at least helping them create better learning environments for our players. And they'll at least, you know, do a little. Bit better. Unseen potential, support and attention, just like we talk about with the players. And I think that's what competency should be. It's very difficult. Uh, I don't know if you agree or not, because there is that other danger where there's a lot of coaches now on Twitter. I see every week, I'm an A-licensed coach, I pass my A. And years ago, I don't know if it is the case now, Tony will have a better idea, you know, in the in the England. But, you know, I used to feel, are you an A-licensed coach? Like, does it mean anything anymore? Because years ago, when you had your, like your Tonys, your Dick Bates, your, you know, years gone past, John Peacocks, you know, um, Mortimer was always a tough one. Dennis Mortimer, Gordon Stanleyfuss did me on my B, Dennis Mortimer on my B. Uh, A-licensed, I had Matt Bishop, I had Jeff Pike those sort of people, it was, there, was, there wasn't many people on the course that passed. I don't know if that's good or bad. You know, there's two sides to look at it. The one side is that, you know, uh, without contradicting myself, it's good to have a standard, like a, a bare minimum, like a minimum competency standard because it's got to mean something. And I, I was so delighted when I got my A. You know, I went out, celebrated, I told my dad, put it in a frame. Like it was, it was a proud moment. It meant something to me. I'm sure it did with you. Now, I don't know. Like, is it a given? I don't know. You know, is it everyone's a UA for A, but are they actually? And for me, you know, I think there's that flip side of the argument, which is some might never, like, you know, they might not be there now, but they can later. There's that unseen potential that we know we can tap into. And we've got that duty of care to give them, you know, the tools and the education to improve their quality of work and the players that they work with. That's a part of it. But the other part of it as well, and it's a fine balance, is, you know, making sure that you you do meet the require like you do meet the standard. And I think competency ultimately is a journey. So you shouldn't necessarily that be competent by passing a course. I don't think that is like just because you hold a certificate and I clue myself, I've got loads of qualifications. The challenge is, is that you've got to continuously be looking to stretch yourself. You know, we're having conversations like this now. Continuously look to listen, challenge, uh, seek people that have different opinions to you. Continuously take what you've learned from courses and apply it in your context and try things. You know, like I remember when I um, passed my A, I passed my A license and my AYA, right? And... I immediately went, right, now I just want to. I've got a lot of opinions. I've got ideas. I want to implement them. I want to go into a role where I've got freedom to make a lot of mistakes, but start implementing what I think works and then learn from it very quickly, hopefully, and go, oh, that didn't work, that did. 
and that's what I did. And then obviously you realise, like, you, and you you got to keep learning, haven't you? And you got to put yourself in environments and around people where you're continuously out your comfort zone. You, you're having to raise the bar. I think that's got to be coach education. You know, coach education isn't what necessarily goes on purely on course. It's the information and the effort that each coach takes, as well as the mentors, that goes beyond the course. I think that's what, and I don't know, it's very hard from a budget perspective for, you know, these governing bodies to fund that, but the good ones do. You know, like when I passed my level two, I always remember Tony. Tony, you remember, you used to work with Tony Morton. Tony might not even remember this, but he actually said to me when I was on my level two, I was with my dad in the car park and Tony was at Rotherham at the time and um, head of youth development and stuff and doing with stuff with the college. And uh, he was like, if you ever want to come down, you're welcome to come down. Come watch, watch a session, learn. And I did, took him up on the offer, went down, watched sessions, did with Martin Diggle down at Bolton when he was there, um, did with you know various other clubs, Tony Ellis at Rochdale, that's how I ended up getting into Rochdale as an academy coach. And they're the good ones, you know, Jeff Lomax for the PFA. He's not getting paid extra to mentor me, but he met me in Tesco's in Rochdale. Um, right as you come into Rochdale, you got that welcome to the, the cooperative. Take a left, you're into the Tesco's. That's where he met me, you know. And he spent two hours with me over coffee, going through and supporting me in my development. He was a my FA youth coach educator, and so the good ones would do that little bit extra and go that extra. And I think that's what coach education is. You need you need to put the effort in yourself, but you do need people who are willing to go that extra yard and met the difference and support you beyond the course because you've got to be able to make sense of it. And that's where it's so important, that personalization, because how many times have we been on courses where we're going, Fuck, you're not telling me anything I don't already know, or like, you know, it's because it's very difficult. Like how well do you, how well do we plan for what they know and how do we know where they're at? Because every coach is at a different bus stop. And their individual journey is different. And he's picking one guy up here and hopefully trying to take him over here, another guy somewhere else. And that's where that competency bit for me, Yaz, and the other stuff, it is that journey. And it will be wobbly, but we have to go with them um, and go on that sort of wave, if you like, with the coaches. Uh, sorry, I see you got your hand up. Sorry, I'm going off on one. No, no, no. Listen, I've put, I've put my hand in there because you've, you've mentioned so many things that I don't want to lose track of them. Um, you know, and I think, I think there's, there's, there's so many great points in what you've said there. And I think, you know, first of all, let, let, let's go right back to the top of it in terms of the competency piece, right? Let's look at the UEFA A license, UEFA B license. I totally agree with you. There's so many more people just posting left, right, and saying, "Yep, yeah, got my UEFA A, got my UEFA B." Now, there, there, there is, there is, a, there is a, you know, there is an argument to be had that you know, was the qualification too hard to pass in the past? Yes, maybe. Um, I think the underlying question we really, really got we really got asked and probably never get the answer to was there a quota? <laughs> because I know when I went on my UEFA B as an example, it was a I think like a twenty five percent pass rate for for everyone that went on that course. Correct. Uh, yeah. For me, I happened to be one of the coaches that got through on my course, um, which again, again, coincidentally happened to be the last UEFA B of the old old style format, if you like, that pass or fail type of, type approach. Moving into the A license again was previously seen as a prestigious qualification to hold. Some of the best coaches in the world have it. Obviously, as time goes on, more people are going to get qualified. But I just, my opinion is that I feel like there's far too many people getting qualified too soon. And, you know, something that you mentioned there about potential, we can't be giving people qualifications on potential. We can support them in their education, their understanding, mentoring, development aspects of it but in terms of awarding someone a qualification you're you're actively saying that this person has reached the level that is necessary to be deemed competent at this level if that makes sense and i think the, the the challenge you have with it whether it's old style or whether it's new style in the sense that it's more whether it's pass or fail or it's a, you know it's, it's an ongoing assessment piece it's always going to be down to the subjectivity and the, and the and the relationship that you've developed with your tutor your educator your developer or whatever you want to call them which obviously has to be taken into account as well. But there's, there's a couple really key things that you mentioned there. In terms of the pass rate and, you know, the level of uh, competency or the people that had the qualification in the past, I think this is where the discussion comes. Should there be 
a separate pathway for maybe UEFA B licensed coaches wanting to you know continue to work in the grassroots game as an example, which I believe that you know there is there is a space for. Yes, you know what what does that look like? I'm 100 percent sure, but it might be that we we look at the environment and we assess it differently. Sim- I, I mean, I guess similar to in some ways how the PFA and the FA differentiate their courses across those that are being delivered to ex-pros and those that aren't, if you like. You know, maybe maybe there's a way to kind of explore it through, through looking at it from that, that perspective. I think two other key pieces that really jumped out at me as you were speaking, you know, we talk about mentoring. You know, anyone that wants a mentor, there you go, you know, take a left at the co-op in the Tesco and you'll find a mentor. Um, but I think that piece is key. It's not always that coach education. I mean, I think one of the biggest challenges we have with coach education, and I'm doing a lot of research on this at the moment as well, that whether people are engaging in coach education just to tick a box, whether they're actually engaging in it to actively develop, um, and if 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 so, whether coach education is 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 being provided at a sufficient a sufficient level for the level that those coaches are working at, because I think you're totally spot on. Everyone's at different journeys; they're all starting at different bus stops. If we take your analogy. It's recognizing what stop are they at, and where does that, where does the final destination look like on this on this particular journey? Whether that be a level two, or UEFA C, or UEFA B, or UEFA A, or whatever course they're doing. But I think the the, you know, the final piece that you talked about is, is about you know, that essentially being proactive. You know, everyone in this conversation with us right now, listening to us ha- have this conversation, whether they're here with us on you know spaces as it's happening, or whether they're listening back to this later on, they're all here for a reason because they want to learn. They want to develop. They're curious about getting better, what they can do to be different, what they can be do, you know, to, to be a better version of themselves in terms of being a coach, or potentially even explore a route into coach education and developing themselves. So, I mean, I think that more than anything is probably the, the the biggest gem that you've dropped there around that ongoing development piece, being involved in in conversations like this, being being involved in communities of practice where you've got people that are like minded and want to develop just as much as you do. And I think it's important that coaches do take on board that more than anything else in this conversation and that continue to be around other people that want to develop and you know I think some sometimes one of the biggest challenges especially for a lot of grassroots coaches is that typically they're either the only coach in their environment or they're in clubs where all the teams and all the coaches are very segregated and yes they're playing under one banner but they're actually there's actually no cohesion or collaboration amongst anything that's happening other than the end of season awards maybe um or even specifically maybe the kit that they're playing in. But apart from that, there's not really much collaboration around, around anything else. I mean, there's, there's so much in there, but I guess from, you know, from your perspective now, you know, you've, 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 you've had the opportunity to deliver our coach education here in the UK, experience it here in the UK as a coach, um, but also deliver abroad as well. You know, what, what, what are some of the things that you can kind of share an insight around the consistencies across all of the different pathways that you've been involved in, if, if there is any consistencies at all? Well, there's a lot, and I think like it ties into what you were just talking about there. That I do see a lot of, you know, whether it be I've got to be careful myself because I still represent a lot of these guys like you do. But I think a lot of it can be deaf by PowerPoint at times. Like when I think about some of the courses in the United States or some of the other areas, we're covering topics that we feel are important, and I get that. But then I also wonder, like, how important are they? Are they the most important? You know, because we've got to be careful that we're in a world where COVID's obviously changed a lot of things for good and for bad. And there are a lot of stuff that we can get via Zoom and online and webinars, and that's 10 out of 10. And the theory and all that, and I'm, I am all over it like a rash. You know, and anyone who knows me, I'm all emails and WhatsApp messages, and I record things and send videos to, I get it. But you're going to get better by being on the grass. That's how you get better. You get better by delivering sessions, working with players at different age groups, stages, genders, formats of the game. And not and, delivering windows. <laughs> and you get better at, obviously, coaching in games. So the more games you're coaching, and that would be the question, is that how many games are you coaching a week? And obviously, you know, in the States and in other countries, you're coaching multiple games in a weekend, like a lot. You know, so you, your game experience is going through the roof because of the, just the quantity of league games, tournaments, etc. I think... The consistency I see, which is a bad one, is that there's a lot of content that's probably over the heads of some of these people. And it can be overwhelming or we're we're saying like this is really important and maybe some of it is. But actually, how to run a session and just simplify it, just simple 
key messages. How do you plan? How do you make sure that you're organised? How do you manage the session? How do you manage the match day? How do you manage the, the sideline? How do you deal with parents? How do you communicate? How do you deal with some challenges? And making it more reality-based where we actually talk about scenarios. We talk about, you know, players' misbehaviour. We talk about um, different environments, situations, game scenarios. And I always reflect back and I always think, like, there was a lot of things that I really needed um, when I started out. But I had to learn, like, a bit like passing your driver's test. You do your driving license, you do your test, don't you? You don't learn to drive by doing education. You you learn to drive when you pass, don't you? The minute you pass your test and you're on the road, and you're driving during different weather conditions, and you're driving, and the lorry is 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 weaving over, and you're thinking, oh, can I? Can I? And that's how you learn. And dealing, you know. So it's the same with coaching. And um, I didn't necessarily get some of the things that I really needed maybe earlier in my career. We didn't talk about it until I got onto the AYA the Advanced Youth Award and things like that. And that made me sort of think and th- like going, I could have really done with this earlier. You know, it would have really helped me. And just deep diving into stuff versus scratching the surface. And there will be some that will say, ah, you weren't ready for that yet. And it's, it's difficult, I think, to say those things because it's very individualised. What people need at different stages will be very different. And I, that goes back to where, you know, having delivered different courses i think there's got to be those global modules and global content that everyone gets but there has to be elements where the coach can plot what they need what do you need for you in your environment with your players that's going to help you get better and that's where i think we can design stuff that's more fit for purpose because right now there's too many barriers to coach education one being um money there's a too much cost it's not flexible you know, there's people with big job, paid jobs, full-time, part-time. And to do the hours and the coursework and everything else that we're asking them to do, it's a lot for some people who have got, uh, for what a better phrase, real job. Like, um, job. But that's a challenge. The time management's a challenge. Money is a challenge. And there's, you know, why can't we water stuff down that might be, you don't have to, because not everyone wants to get to you. you know, the sea license or level one, and that'll be far for them. But we don't want them to miss out on stuff. I don't know what your thoughts are, Yaz, on that. It's 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 a difficult one. Yes, I mean, it's, a def- it's, it's definitely a challenge. I think one of the biggest things to consider is obviously a lot of coaches, when they're starting out their journey, whether that be a level one, even if they're still going on to maybe level two, UEFA C, or even, even at some point, B license, they don't actually know what they want or they need. So I think there needs to be maybe some more preparation around that ahead of the courses. But I think this is this is where it, this is where it becomes key because a lot of the courses are generalised in terms of trying to get as much content out to people as possible. But in terms of some of the key areas, maybe not in much depth. I think that's where that's where that's where maybe have a broad challenge because. But this is where I'm, you know I take the opportunity to encourage coaches and anyone listening to this in particular engage in those CPD opportunities, whether that is, you know, if, you, if you're in the UK and you're in England in particular, using the FX learning platforms, whether it's their YouTube channels, or their boot, the boot room articles, or things that go on there, or wherever else you get your information from. Or you can, you know, tap into you Learnly, the coaches of the podcast, or wherever else that you engage with your, your coach, coach education, coach development, coach and player development content. I think, I think that's the key piece, is recognising as things go on, becoming more curious and recognizing what is it that I might need in my environment. Because, but, but the biggest challenge, obviously, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I, think, I think that's going to be really key for a lot of a lot of coaches to think about. But the, you know um, yourself, like, there's a lot of noise at the minute, like good and bad. There's a lot of noise. Like, obviously, you've got a lot of fantastic platforms. Obviously, we've got some fantastic platforms. You know, you've got the coach's voice. You've got all these. You've got YouTube, you've got podcasts, you've got... But the, then the challenge and the danger becomes is there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of everything. And it's filtering through that, like what is specific to you? And that's where, like, I think the danger can become as well on some of these courses is that it can still be very much my opinion. 
and I don't, people might disagree, but I'm only talking about from my experiences. I don't know what you think or see, but when I've seen certain courses deliver, I've all, I've seen some courses and I've gone, wow, that was really good. And it can't always be the tutor's way. And that's the only way. And if you do it their way, then you pass, which is very old school and how it used to be. And in some cases, it kind of still exists a little bit. You know, in some in some areas, if you like, there's always going to be subjectivity and objectivity. And I get that. But coach education, whoever is delivering the content, making sure that we're we're working with each individual, creating an individual development plan for them. I know it's extra work. And talking about these self-awareness, like you said, giving them homework tasks to really reflect, review on it with them, review after modules, like what does that mean to you? Have a think. What are the key takeaways for you? What will you do different to recognize how much is too much? and give help where needed, but it doesn't have to be like my way, and my way is the only way, and my way is the best way. It's recognising when to share, when not to share. Do you know what I mean? Because sometimes we can hinder, and it's, it's that fine balance. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And that's what it needs to be versus coach education being like, we're the oracle of all knowledge and this is what you need to do to be better and you've got to do it this way that's not i don't think that's helpful i think you're spotting i think something that's really key in is recognizing that course content is course content and the you know coach developer coach educator experiences are coach educator experiences and opinions and i think within that what we have to do is take a responsibility in sharing some of the experiences and our knowledge but also understanding the argument against and I think that's where a lot of coaches need to really kind of delve deeper and recognize, right, I might do things the way I do it. And these are the reasons why I do it. But also take that same time, same care to identify and understand why or how it might be done in different ways. So that you can make your own rationale for, you know, how you decide you want to, you want to you know, proceed in your environment, essentially. And I think that's that's going to be really key for a lot of coaches. And I think... You know, if I come back to the earlier point I made, is that with a lot of grassroots coaches, it just doesn't happen because they don't have that external piece, you know, that external point of view to say, right, you know, this is how I'm doing it. And what tends to happen is if two coaches are working in the same environment together, they both end up doing it in a similar way. And if they do 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 it differently, it's almost there's not really much discussion around it. Which obviously, as you start to go up in your coaching experiences and you start to get, you know, exposed to a higher level of uh, coach development or even player development different questions are asked so you actually now have to become more consciously self-aware reflective around what you're doing I, I think that's a really key piece and I think so, you know, it'd be a great opportunity now just to bring in some of, bring in some of the uh, guys that want to speak with us unless you've got anything else you want to add in right No yeah I, I agree I mean the only thing I'd probably add would be that the one thing we've not talked about I'm, I mean there's always loads of things in there but one thing would be 
coaches wanting to do their their own agenda, which is part of it as well. Because I do think, like being brutally honest, and you will have been like this, anyone who's got to UA4A, you've had that ambition that you want to be successful, you want to have a career, you want to learn, you want to get the higher license, you want to keep improving, right? So we will have been, or at least I was, I, I was on that thing of, like, I know to get, more money to, to have a career the pluses and minus of that is that you're in your own you're on your own agenda so you're going off at speed people will talk about you know you've got to consolidate your learning you've got to slow down but then you know equally there's that financial implication as well so you've it's a difficult one and that's one thing we haven't talked about is that individual coach's journey so the whoever's mentoring or the education might be hey we need to get them better at this but they're also on their own mission, you know, because my mission was pretty clear. I wanted to, I set my targets out, I wrote them on the board, and I wanted to get my licenses in a certain time frame, whether that was right or wrong. That's what I did, you know, and there will be coaches out there listening that are exactly the same. They're like, right, I want to get my C, then I want to get my B. Obviously, as we know, the more you get experience, you do think, right, you know, you've definitely got to be better. It's not about rushing, but at the same time, it's a tough one because of money, because of career. You can't get one without the other. If you want certain jobs, you need this. You know, it's there's a lot of other factors that, that play into this, you know. I, I think you're spot on, but I think one of the key things that you've mentioned a few times throughout this conversation is about finances. and Coach development, coach education can be free. You know, you talked about finding a mentor that, you know, just in your in your particular instance, you were, happy, you know, you were fortunate enough to get someone that didn't look for a financial outcome from it, as an example, but there's so much content out there. Even the people listening to us right now talk, you know, whether it's good or bad content, they're engaging with with an element of CPD here. You know, whether it's listening to listening to the podcasts or, or you know any other one that's out there, or reading any articles or you know any any tweets that have been put out. There's, there's so much free content out there. I think the, the difficulty and the challenge is more than anything is, especially for those coaches who maybe aren't as conscious and deliberate and intentional around what they're actually trying to develop and understand and learn more about. It's what's good and what's bad information because it, you know, I think that's one of the biggest challenges we have got with this, you know, this this age that we're in with social media and things like that. Is there's so many, there's so much information out there that, you know, I look at and think, well, well I, I don't, I really don't know about that one. I really question that, and you know, whether it's, you know, everyone's got that same mindset of actually trying to question and clarify everything they come across being able to sift out what's positive and what's maybe not constructive information to kind of take on board. But, you know, there's, there's so much in there and there's so many people in the, in the room with us now that have got, you know, many experience and I'm keen to try and get as many insights and thoughts and views around what they think about coach education and anything that we've said. So, it's only to stop Definitely, you, right? yeah. Yeah. Good evening, everyone. Um, I think you're pretty well there to sum up 40 years of coach education in 40 minutes um so you know you, you've pretty much hit a lot of nails on on, on heads just a, a few points that that i'd like to bring up um and certainly when i've been doing my what i would consider to be high level coaching qualifications at lillishaw in amongst you know senior coaches with the fa um i think that my best learning occurred outside the classroom and in the bar, over the dinner table, those kind of environments. You know, Yaz just touched on it. That informal coach education is is the – also touching on, on what Gerard said about the driving, um, the driving test analogy. That informal coach education is where you become a coach, uh, you know. Some of the other bits that, that you've touched upon uh, – there's there's almost an argument to be made for saying that if you go on a coaching course, if, if if what you do is safe and has a clear objective for you that you can explain to your um, inverted commas instructors, then you you shouldn't they shouldn't be able to fail you on a coaching course because your way of coaching is your way of coaching. 
if I want to play long ball football, no tiki-taka, smash the ball up the pitch, fight for second balls, and we win our league this year, next year, and every year in between, who's to say that you're a better coach than me? You know, and I'm not saying that that's the way that I play, but I, I just have a, a real pragmatic um, outlook when it comes to, to coaching. The one thing that I would say that that the modern, up-to-date coaching courses lack, um, and those that do follow me, you'll see that I tweet something every now and again. Um, it's probably the most requested thing that I that, that I get asked to post is the list of key factors these are the things which make the individual better. You know, everything we do has got to be about the player, you know, but that I find people who can't teach other individuals, young players in particular, how to kick a ball properly, how to get a ball off the ground, these kind of things. So, I, you know, we produced, uh, myself and a guy called Joe Roach, who I work with in the Army FA, uh, we produced this list of key factors that we used to give out on all of our courses. Now, at the time, it, it was taught. So you taught people how to hit a swerve pass, a lofted pass, you know, how to control the ball, what, you know, what, what part of the body when the ball was in the air, et cetera, et cetera. And it just doesn't, it's almost expected now that everybody can do that. And if it isn't, then, you know, we, we must assume that every kid comes to us with all these abilities in place and we don't have to teach him. I think there's there's too much um, too much towards facilitation now, and not enough towards coaching. I think it's a it's a really in, two interesting points you've made there. One at the end, which is as the art of coaching gone. I mean, I, obviously, I'm a big believer in creating the environments. And having players, as we've talked about on previous stuff, like, can we set challenges? Can we give them opportunities where they can cut their own adaptable solution, they manipulate their bodies, etc.? But there are times where, again, like how we design an environment or practices that allow for that practice, that rehearsal for kids to get better at stuff. And like you said, sometimes it's the teaching detail as well. I mean, we came up where we were taught, like you said, the key factors, and then it got rephrased to something else, something else. And then now we've gone from perhaps one extreme of the continuum to the to the other I think that is an interesting point and we've probably lost the art of the I mean I don't know if you if you're going towards this as well but even that the art of the freeze that's seen as a bad thing now where you can stop it and demo and things like that but there are some advantages to being able to show people where we how we want them to perform certain things or to guide them to those answers um, we are very facilitative and it's good and bad isn't it I think the the thing you talked about even before that with Coach Ed it made me smile a bit around, you know, it's probably a bit extreme, but you've made your point, which is good, is that who are we to say this is right or this is wrong or whatever? I think that's where coach education should be, is around, I always think about Osh when he used to do this, um, Oshan Roberts, he would identify it. What do you want, if it was a topic on switching play or whatever, how does your team play? What are the profile of your players? What's your personnel? What's the strengths? How are they set up? What does that look like? What are you trying to get out? What does it look like for you, that picture? How would you want to coach it? And he would be very much around how do you coach and how can we get you better at how you coach? And he would share other stuff, but it was very individualized. And I think that's a point I can't really reflect on any... I'm not aware of any course I've been on where people really wanted to be like, how does Gerard coach? Can we make him better at that? Or other variations of that and within his philosophy or whatever. It was very much like to pass this course, you have to coach this way. Even within the, because I remember doing my UA4A and I, I was very direct, instruction, moving people around, trying to affect 11 players. And then the following weekend, I had my AYA assessment with Mick Matthews. And it was right now, I'm going to coach how I normally coach. I'm going to ask questions, set challenges, give a bit more ownership to the players, be direct when I need to, but not as much. So I don't know if that's a part of it, Tony, as well. I don't know what your, your thoughts are even on that. Yeah, it's a really good point. I think that we used to... When I was a coach educator for the FA, FA, I had to coach the way the FA told me to, or I had to instruct the way the FA told me to. That meant, 
you know, you played 4v4 with two goalkeepers on a 60 by 40. You had equal numbers. You loaded your team up so that you could get your topic out. Well, that's not coaching for me. That's just... Right. That's totally manufacturing a situation that I need to see because I've given you this topic and you've got to tick these boxes. Now, when I go back to my club on Tuesday night, having done the course on a Saturday, we've got a 30 by 40 pitch we've got one small goal we've got one big goal I've got one goalkeeper and I've got 17 players so that's real coaching for me you know for, I've been on so many courses where um, senior FA tutors even and some really good coaches don't get me wrong it had to be 6v6 we could only coach with even numbers we had to have two goalkeepers it just used to drive me mad because it's not real bang on absolutely bang on and there's a point, I mean, there's loads of points even in that. But again, it, how can we make coach education? What does it look like without all the perfect equipment? If you're on facilities where you've got like a third of a third and you haven't even got access to goals, what else could you do within your practice design to get out those outcomes versus being at St. George's Park and you've got all the, the fancy equipment and here's what you should do and the limitations within that, yeah? Sorry, Yaz, you had your hand up. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I think there's, there's loads of great stuff that's come out of there. I think... I think... I think it's important that we also highlight some of the benefits of the current pathway in the way it is. And I think more specifically is that it's not a cookie-cutter approach. And I think the, 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 the one of the benefits I certainly see from the current pathway in, in, in you know being an ongoing assessment piece, if you like, is that we start to develop um, a wide range of styles of coaches, which is good, which is beneficial, um, some more than others. But I think what you also maybe start to start to delve into is, is developing specialists in different areas of the game, which I think is also really really key um, for us to kind of consider and highlight as a potential benefit of, of, of doing it this way. But I think, coming back to what Tony said, I think what's happened, in, in, for me, in my observations, we've gone right down the other end of the spectrum where it used to be heav- heavily technical, very much about you know teaching technique, teaching some of those key factors that Tony referred to, to now getting to a point where Coaches don't understand the importance of technical um, technical detail, in my opinion. They don't understand the you know they don't even they don't even recognise it to be a thing. And if they do, I think the challenge also comes with that is that they maybe perceive it to be having to be one way, which is certainly you know, certainly an observation that I've made, and that's something something that I've maybe been guilty of myself in the past. And I think. That, that's what we need to kind of really, you know, focus on is that how do we get coaches to really come back to appreciating how important that technical piece is without specifically telling them how to do it or what it should look like when it's delivered, if that makes sense. Tony, you've got your hand up. Go for it, man. Yeah, I mean, it's a really good point. And, and what I would say with, with regard to that is... If your team... So I'm talking team play now, not, not sessions, not structured organizations if your team play breaks down because you want your team to switch play or you want your team to go long but that individual who plays in a key area of the pitch can't lift the ball off the ground it's not because he's not trying to or because he doesn't want to it's because he's not being taught to and if if coaches don't know about the importance of the non-kicking foot how to strike it, where to strike the ball itself in relation to the ground, the equator of the ball, etc., etc., then your game will always break down. Your team will always break down because those individuals haven't been taught the individual skills that they need to improve themselves, which in turn improves the team. I think that the, I think where the I'm speculating here, but I think where some of the national governing bodies may have gone with it, though, although it's obviously a lot of the research and different methodologies and paradigms and learning environments and what have you. I think what they're also probably thinking is if these coaches are not very good and they're giving poor technical detail, they're going to damage the kids even more. And we're going to develop a generation where the kids are just bad. That's me speculating. I don't know if you agree or disagree, you two, but I'm thinking maybe some of the national going bodies have gone the way they have because it's, hey, if the technical detail is that bad, we're potentially killing creativity. We're, we're, we're coaching these kids poorly. So if we just get them to be better at organising practice environments where kids make their own decisions and there's less instruction, technical detail from the coach, but more 
the players going on discovery and experimentation will do less harm, less damage. That's my speculation. I don't know if, if that's right or wrong, if you agree or disagree. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a great point, Gerard. And I think just on that, I think one of the key things, and you know, the way I look at it is this, I think governing bodies have looked at it and said, right, we're, we're trying to teach you how to maybe do this. We're trying to give you the information. But ultimately, what was happening, because of the way the structure was, I'm speaking specifically in, the, in, the, in England right now as well, is that you'd come on this course, it's a pass or fail course, you'd have to coach a particular way to get through it and get by and then get signed off. Nine times out of ten, I think what the observation was is that that coach would go back into that environment and not coach in that way. Or they'd go back into that environment and, like you said there, deliver, deliver, try and deliver in that way but do it in a poor, in a, in a poor manner. So I think the challenge there was obviously managing, you know, it's almost quality control to an extent. And it's almost recognising, well, if we're going to teach you these things and you're not actually even going to bother implementing them in your own environment, what's the point in us continue going down this path? We're better off trying to, you know, refer referring back to what you said about Ocean with, with um, the individualised piece. You know, why don't we help you get better at the way you coach, give you some additional insight and things to consider around the way you coach, but also try and upskill you to the point where we're still giving you some of that technical bit, we're still giving you some of the environmental things to consider, we're still giving you some of the some of the things to consider around player development, long-term player development, and just, you know, a bit of everything, if you like. But do it in a way where it kind of it marries up and in, li- in line with your your own environment. Hence where I think the whole institute visit process came in. You know, where you've got developers going out to tutors, uh, developers and tutors going out to coach learners' environments, watching them coach in their environment in their real context. And then trying to, you know, bridge the gaps and link those messages in from course content in terms of theory and practical face-to-face stuff on the day back into their environment to see where they're at and le- with their learning on that so I, th- I think that's definitely one of the key, you know key observations i've made i don't know whether again this is speculation i don't know whether that is the thought process that went behind it but no i think probably probably true i think that the challenges are, are always that it's all finding that balance between beliefs because if you have some people who their belief is X, you know, and and what if it's totally wild in terms of, you know, putting players in danger, you know, or limiting their creativity or options, then we have to obviously share stuff. I think to Tony's point, like where we're putting on sessions and we're saying it can only be 6v6 or it can only be this or it can only be that. And we're having to model that. You know, a lot of the coach education I've seen coaches don't the instructors or educators what we want to call them developers they're all different titles they they'll often deliver and i've had to do this on courses i've had to deliver on deliver not how you would necessarily coach in your own environment so it's almost like negative teaching so we say we don't want them to over coach we don't want you to talk too much we don't want you to do this don't want you to stop it but then in the the educated deliveries we're stopping it loads we're talking loads we're masking it under there oh and i'm explaining to the gallery you know this is what i'm doing and things like that but actually there might be even more value in actually run a best practice session and run an authentic self-reflection like be really authentic i know reflection isn't a hot debrief reflections deep reflection right it's afterwards but having that ability to ah oh, yeah that didn't work very well and getting asked questions you know why did you do that well this was my rationale but actually what we noticed was this so next time, what I'll probably do is I'll try this. Or another variation, if, if you notice that uh, this is happening, maybe we need to change the method of scoring. We might have to move the goals here. or We might have to... I think that's where coaches will get more from being involved in sessions or observing sessions. If, if the delivery of the best practice is a bit like, what, what, would you look, what would it look like in your own environment with your own players? Versus delivering a session, but then going, by the way, we don't want you to coach like this. We're just showing you this because it's coach education. Well, then why are you showing me? That's negative teaching. That is spot on. Johnny, let us know your thoughts, man. What you're, what you're thinking, what your views, what your opinions, man. I know you've been waiting for a little while. That's all good, boys. I'm enjoying it. I'm going to try and maybe touch on things that haven't been touched on my own views. I could probably rant for an entire hour on my views on Coach Ed, to be honest. But um, I think... If we go back a few years, the, I think the reason it's kind of spiralled into such a huge area is that, I mean, I can remember, and I think as soon as I see it, some of you guys remember, is seeing PowerPoint slides of 
Spain and Germany and France having so many thousands of more A license or youth license or B license coaches compared to the UK home nations. So so I feel like that has caused a real a real push. And and what you were talking on earlier, has it been watered down or, you know, is the standard the same? I mean, that may have a, a backing behind it. I remember doing my youth license with fifteen people. That was it for the whole year. And and you know, there was a real sense of pride once you you achieved that. Um from the cynical coaching perspective and all the coaches that have to do the running about, is it a bit of a money earner at times because of the vast costs in the UK compared to Europe? Because I know it's hundreds of pounds less. Uh, there's other points that maybe haven't been touched. Uh, it can be damaging for coaches. You know, I've seen some coaches walk away without clarity, confused and not really sure on what to do. And they forget that the most important thing is to get out on the grass, the astral and to coach because that's where you take the knowledge and you transfer it into skill. So I think the key with Coach Ed, no matter what it is, is being able to take what you're given, take the knowledge, transfer it to you, how you coach, and then aim at the level that you actually coach at, because there's so much out there. You know, you can pop on YouTube and get Guardiola and Klopp sessions, but you can't transfer that to under 11s, under 12s, under 8s, under 15s. So, I mean, that's a few of the, the things I'm at. I don't know if you want to chirp at me about them. Yeah, I think you made a couple of good points. There. I think, first of all, I think it's important highlighting that in terms of the cost, yeah, the cost, is, the cost has always been an issue for a lot of people in terms of the English FA courses. But I think something that's often not mentioned as well is that the courses, are, you know, they're obviously mandated by UEFA um, and they've got specific guidelines in terms of what the guided hours should be and shouldn't be. Um, you know, they need to be a certain level of um well yeah a certain number of hours that each course should be should be uh, run at and typically what tends to happen and I don't think the FA get enough credit for this is the FA courses tend to be a lot more contact time in terms of hours of delivery which would probably you know relate to why the cost is t- typically a little bit higher another thing to consider as well you mentioned there about the number of coaches in terms of UEFA A B, B and B licensed coaches a lot of people obviously don't even mention this as well, but you know when the UEFA Coaching Convention came into place, I think it was in 1997. A lot of the, a lot of you know the participating nations were given the opportunity to up, uh, essentially upgrade anyone who was an existing level two coach at the time, automatically to a UEFA B license. The FA opted not to do that, which is why the numbers are so you know so, what so wide in terms of how many coaches are quote unquote qualified at each level. So I think that's another thing to be considered there as well. I think you know you make a great great point that the ongoing development, you know, being you know whether that's going on YouTube or wherever it is, but I think it's recognizing okay, you know, I can take ideas from what I've read or seen or I've watched, but more specifically, let me just take ideas and not copy it. Take the ideas, think about how it applies to your context, if it even does, because if it doesn't, then don't bother. But if it does in some way, shape, or form, then look at. Right, what are the adaptations or the changes or the adjustments I need to make to make it appropriate for the players that I'm working with or the environment that I'm working in? So I think you know that's just a, my little piece based on what you said there, Johnny. And I, you know, I really appreciate your thoughts. No, I, I do too. And I, it's funny because when I listened to it, I was just thinking it's very, very good and important that we do learn from other ideas and immerse ourselves in what other countries do. But you have to have your own identity. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of good work the FA's done that probably does get missed. And, you know, it's easy to pick up on the negatives, isn't it? But as you're doing, you identify some of the good work. And equally, they're getting really, really good, you know, pioneers in a lot of aspects. Because there's a lot of countries like the German FA, the DFB um, and the KMVB that are looking at what the English are doing. Um, I think when you look at a lot of education, though, we have tended to do that where we've gone, what are the Spanish doing? What are the French doing? What are the Germans doing? And then let's copy what they're doing without recognising like, what works for us, what makes us I- identity. And that's why I like that years ago we started to talk about that England DNA and things like that. That's clearly, obviously, with a lot of the new revamps and the EPPP and other things, starting to improve stuff. US soccer has been influenced by the Spanish, by the, by the French, and still influenced by the French, especially the MLS. 
with the elite formation license. They're influenced by uh, Belgians and Dutch. So there's a lot, and it's constantly like the education, the way it is now in, with US soccer, there's a heavily influence I can see from how the KMVB do their licenses. It's no surprise when you look at some of the, the leaders in certain positions. The CAF in, in uh, I believe in Morocco, Morocco has a huge history of being influenced by the French, you know, previous technical directors, uh, French guy, uh, Nasser, Nasser was uh, French, did a lot with the French Federation, you know, have now brought in a guy who works in China and things like that. You'll, you'll probably have a Belgium influence. Um, obviously, Osh came in, which was the Welsh influence. But again, it's what works for Morocco versus like just because it works in Wales or France or whatever doesn't mean it's going to fit the Moroccan identity or the Moroccan player or the culture, more importantly. You know, I see it with a lot of our countries and I would certainly say that we've got to remember like what makes us us. And certainly now in a lot of environments I'm going in, I'm trying to understand more what makes us us. What do we like? What's the cultural history? What's the values? What makes us play the way we want to play? What are some of the community values that we expect influence and shape how we behave on the field? Because then you're tailoring the education and the philosophy and the, the principles. There'll be some stuff that you bring that you should bring to the role anyway, because that's why you've been hired. But a lot of it should be let's fit it for the purpose, um, for you know, versus trying to change to other countries and what they're doing. What makes you unique? What makes you special? What's your strength? Um, sorry, I was just thinking about that then. Oh, 100% spot on. Uh, Johnny, you had your hand up again. Was there something you wanted to add? Uh, that's actually what, just what Gerard's touched on was what I was going to say is like the, the, the sort of cognitive diversity that you want differences on, on the course, but you can't forget who you are. So, yeah, genuinely, probably not as eloquent and as, as well as Gerard said, but I was just going to talk, touch on that, that we can pull in loads of sources from all over the world, but make sure you remember your coaching and your own background or your, back, your, uh, your own pitch, I should say. No, 100% spot on. I think context is key. Is always the, is always the phrase that I like to use, and I think it, it's, it's more it's more about what you what you know what are we fully aware of the needs and the and the of the individuals within our environment? Are we fully aware of the constraints that we might have within our environment? The challenges that the people within our environment face, whether it's us as coaches, whether it's us as you know, whether it's our players, whether it's the parents. You know how how aware are we of all the different variables that might exist and might impact on our ability to deliver the best practice coaching session as Gerard put it um, no I think I think some great stuff you know it's been a really fascinating conversation tonight and you know I'm not sure if anyone else has got anything they want to add but Gerard you know there's so much in there and I think it might be an opportunity just to direct them to further development opportunities possibly you learn platform as well yeah and, and just be I would just say make sure that anything you're doing are you finding information that's personal to you are you able to plot your own journey what you need and try and plot it and try and think about like, what do you really need that's going to help you with your teams? And, and also like sometimes it's being a little bit selfish for your own needs as well to get better at what you need to get better at um, and try and figure out like, what are your blind spots and ask people, ask people for feedback, get feedback on your sessions. You know, what do other people even from other sports, if they're watching, how would they describe what they've seen? What the players are the best one. You know, how would the players describe you? What would they say? Um, what do the players think about some of the stuff that you're doing? Get that feedback. I really reflect. And, you know, a lot of stuff I do, because, again, you're not going to learn everything on courses. Can you try to find people that think differently to you um, and go and seek those out? Mic yourself up. You know, mic yourself up. And you don't even have to have mics these days. You can use your iPhone. You, know, you can use earphones. And, re and listen to the the recording back to again get another perspective of like listen to your voice like how quickly did you speak did you speak really fast did you use overly complex words did you not what you know trying to think about the points that you made and then reflect on them and go oh was that really clear you know I think it's clear but was it clear or I've said this at half time but how did I check for understanding and I'm not trying to go off on another topic I'm just thinking key messages for coach education. Don't just rely on the course. Think about ways and strategies that you can do to continuously 
improve you and make it more personal to you. Um, and again, you learn, Blake, I've got this fantastic app that I've created. There's a host of content on there. There's going to be more content added as well so that wherever you are on that journey, whether you're starting out a grassroots coach or whatever, there's something for you, even the more advanced stuff. That you and again, you can download it for free and personalize your coach education. And I'd encourage you to, to check it out. U-L-E-A-R-N-B-L-Y. Amazing, amazing. And also on top of that, you know, you've obviously got the Coaches Network podcast, you know, I think it's really important that, you know, we just try and, try and branch out and get as many sources as you can. But again, the key point from earlier that I mentioned, be very critical about what you consider to be effective and uh, constructive information rather than just take on board everything and anything. Ask yourself, does this, does this benefit me? Does this even, you know, fit me in my environment? Is it is it something I need for the journey that I'm on right now, or is it something I might need for the future? Or you might even reflect on certain things that you come across, whether that be on the Ulearnly platform, the Coaches Network podcast, or wherever else you get your information. And you might even say, "Well, I wish I had this three, four years ago." But don't dwell on that. Take on board what you have when you get it, and utilize and implement as early as possible where you can. So, on that, myself and Gerard are running a coach uh, free webinar on the 25th of September around the practice spectrum. So if you want more information on that, please feel free to get in touch with us. Please make sure you're following. Guys, I want to say thank you again for everyone that's been involved tonight on the conversation. If you haven't caught it from the beginning, it will be posted up on the Coaches Network podcast. I know I've missed the last couple of weeks due to laptop issues, but up and running again. And there's going to be episodes out every week and there's probably going to be a few special edition episodes coming out soon as well. So keep an eye out. Make sure you follow myself, Gerard. And guys, thank you again. Have a great evening. Great rest of the Sunday and take care, guys. And we'll be back next week. Have a great rest of the evening. Good luck. Good night, everyone. Well, there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent, and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at The Coaches Network or on Twitter at The Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care.